conversation about something that I know you're going to have thoughts on as well, and likely some opinions. You can share them with this one with this one too. Uh, the mysterious life of spiritual leader John DeRitter. Uh, now, if you're not familiar with this name, he is the spiritual leader, self, self-appointed, I should say, that's facing criminal charges. He's charged with four counts of sexual assault, and his wife is charged with three counts herself related to his. Now, there's some new stories that involve him and some of his influence. Uh, many stories now of land being purchased in Fort Assiniboine here in Alberta. It's about two hours north of Edmonton. Uh, people from all over the world coming and purchasing plots of land for much over asking price uh, that suggests that perhaps he was influencing his followers to come and congregate in this area. Do we have data to suggest that that was the case and and what was going to happen there? We're going to get into it right now with our next guest, who's the Emeritus Professor at the University of Alberta and an expert in cults and alternative religions. Dr. Stephen Kent is joining the show. Dr. Kent, thanks so much for making the time. Oh, Chelsea, hello. So, I mean, this story is one that we don't have all of the details on, uh, but we are getting, you know, kind of a drip by drip bit of information about this person. Can you sort of catch us up and and help set the stage for who John DeRitter is and his influence, not only in Alberta, but also worldwide? Uh, John DeRitter is a a, a former uh, orthopedic shoemaker, uh, came out of the Lutheran Church, and in, uh, probably 30, 35 years ago, he started uh, doing teachings in his living room of, about religion, and then those meetings just grew and grew and grew. Meanwhile, he developed far beyond any any Christian boundaries. Um, and now he's got a following. I've heard figures, uh, it's no more than about 400 people, but they really have come from around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has traveled, he has recruited people in various countries, uh, Australia, UK, Denmark, um, you know, of course, the U.S. and so on. Um, and they see him as the living embodiment of truth. That's how DeRider portrays himself. Now, it's difficult to actually pin down exactly what that means. Um, it seems to be something like uh, uh, that, that most uh, that, that people operate in a, uh, an ego level uh that is, uh, you know, tied up with the world and emotions and so on, but a deeper level exists, this deeper level of truth. And Dreider claims that he lives and works out of that deeper level. Uh, He has... uh, the group has been going on, as I say, for decades. So there's been a fairly high turnover, but some people have been involved with him for, for you know, 30 years and so on. The... Yeah. It's wild to me that this is something that's been going on for decades here in our province, seemingly under our nose. Does that suggest that there are more of these cult leaders? Is this something that's happening that's maybe more common than we realize? Well, these groups don't hit the news unless something happens or or, or somebody complains. And now the the investigative reporting in the province uh, has been so damaged um, that it's difficult for any newspapers to do a big story. Now, of course, the Globe and Mail just did a, a big story this weekend, and it's done them before. But local papers aren't really covering it. Now, there is some local coverage in some of the, the papers um, uh, uh, around Smith and Hondo and, and so on, um, but they don't usually hit the larger market. So they're, they're sporadic reports, but we just don't 
see a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I get reports, um, a fair number of calls from, from people who are concerned about groups that they consider to be cults. And what's interesting, and it's kind of interesting about the writers group, is that you know, when I started this work, say, 35 years ago, most of the calls I was getting were from adults, parents who were concerned about their adult children, concerned about their children who are maybe in their 20s and so on. Now, a lot of the calls I'm getting are from um, uh, adult children in their 40s and 50s who are concerned about what their elderly parents are doing. And one of the phenomena that's uh, going on with Dreiter is that there's an unknown number of of elderly people uh, who are involved in the group, and some of them are moving up to the uh, Assiniboine area. Now, the issues that are coming up is that the local residents are saying, why are they moving here? Right. Uh, It's it's not a large population base. It's very uh, diffuse. Um, It's agricultural land, you know, farmers, cattle, uh, cattle, wheat, and so on. Um, And those are not the kind of uh, occupations that that many of the derider followers seem, seem to have had. So it's not uh, it, it, the the derider people themselves are being very coy about why the move. So now, what, short, hmm? what then do you speculate would be would be the move would be the impetus to then gather all these people in a very secluded remote area? Yeah. Well, the short answer is the people are moving there because they believe John has moved there, and there are indications that that in fact he he may be living in that area. Certainly his his uh, two uh, his two sons are up there. His brothers up there, um, uh, and so because these people want to be by their teacher, by their guru. If John moves up there, then people follow. But why would John want to move there? Is a big question. Now, it seems fairly clear that that John's organization, which is a business, by the way, which just complicates things. Um, um, John DeRider may be a spiritual leader, but all of his activities are businesses. He has never sought or, or, or received any kind of charitable donation for uh, religious teachings and so on. So it's a business. Why are they moving up there? Now, his business took a real hit uh, down here during COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Oasis Center was a, was a, a go-to location for weddings and big events down there. It could cost anywhere from $10,000 to $13,000 to rent a facility. It's a beautiful place. Um, when weddings uh, stopped during COVID, the group probably lost a lot of money, but they sold the building for $6.5 million. Right. So there's a lot of money that that the organization has. Now, how that money trickles down into uh, the pockets of, of individual members, we don't know. And one of the questions is, who's buying the land? Is it individuals or is it individuals acting uh, through numbered companies on behalf of, of the writer and the organization? Um, the, there's no indication that the group is, is violating any laws. There's nothing illegal about, about moving to a location and buying up property. And indeed, some locals are really supportive in part because um, the people buying up the land from the writer's group are paying top dollar. They're paying often more money than, than uh, these uh, current landowners would get on the open market. Um, and they are getting building permits. 
and it's not really clear from the building permits what they want to do. There's, there could be a development for a larger cent, large center of so on. They've bought two campgrounds uh, uh, in, in that area. One is in Hondo, which is uh, west of Athabasca and Smith. Uh, um, and the group likes to camp. So, I, but is there enough uh, infrastructure, enough jobs to sustain people? Well, uh, and, and and it makes me wonder about the intentions here. Maybe this started decades ago as as a well-intentioned spiritual group that that was gathering for the best of reasons. Maybe. Uh, but what you say about elders now being sort of brought into the yeah. group, it seems that there's a lot of manipulation at play or that, that it would suggest that there is. I, I want you to touch on that in just a moment. But, Dr. Kent, I'm just going to get uh, to pop on hold because sure. we have to take a little break and we'll be right back and talking about self-appointed spiritual leader here in Alberta, John DeRyder. We're going to get back into it. Chelsea Onshed continues in three minutes. We're talking about the saga of John DeRyder, the self-appointed spiritual leader here in Alberta that developed a following in our province and potentially worldwide as well. More details are coming out. Now, he's been charged with four counts of sexual uh, misconduct, and so has his wife. His wife has been charged with three counts as well uh, related to his, excuse me, sexual assault, not misconduct. Uh, And there is some evidence to suggest that he had some of his followers purchase a bunch of land in Fort Assiniboine, which is north of Edmonton, very remote area. So what was the purpose of all of this land purchase and this potential move from this, what we can really only classify as a cult, into this area in our province? We're talking about it right now with Emeritus Professor at the University of Alberta and expert in cults and alternative religions, Dr. Stephen Kent. Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Kent, you mentioned the fact that in this group, there seems to be a, a large elder population. And it it seems to me, when I hear about all of these people then moving to a very remote location in our, in our province, that this is just manipulation at its finest. I mean, this is really just well, taking advantage of people. Is that fair? It's, as all things with this group, it's complicated. Right. I don't know of any directives that John DeRyder has put out saying to his followers, move north. Right. What I have heard is him... Um, uh, responding to members who have heard rumors that he's moving north and saying things like, well, if you want to be near me, then do what you think you have to do. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's indirect. He's being careful. He's being careful not to get oh, caught here. Yeah, and, and, you know, the issue about him being a self-styled guru is the term that, that gets thrown around a lot. But um, he does have a following. I mean, people, this uh, identification as a guru ha- works in two ways. A person has to make the claim, but then the person has to have followings. Now, if you want to know how the, what the, his attraction is, it's pretty simple, and the group members don't understand it. It's through the staring. John DeRyder has intense eyes, uh, intense uh, blue eyes, but the technique he uses is to not, uh, at least in, in the older days, he wouldn't say a lot. He would just sit and stare at people. And just if you go home tonight and have a partner or a friend and you sit across the table from him and stare at him for 10 or 15 minutes, you will have visual hallucinations. And that's what happens to his members. What? Yes, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a simple physiological re- reaction. Probably the brain is not used to a lack of stimulation. 
Uh, and so it, when it when it only gets the the uh, this, uh, the repeated stimulation for a long period of time, it starts to make adjustments, and that's what happens in the writer's group. But people have people don't know that it, that the stare causes a physiological reaction. They stare at him. They his face morphs and changes, and and they think, oh, they're changing because he's a spiritual being. He's so powerful. That's not what happens, but people don't know that. And so people have had dramatic uh, experiences with John. Moreover, they are seekers who have been at this, uh, trying to find the truth in God and enlightenment for decades. Uh, And then, of course, there's the people who were born into the group. There's a substantial number of second-generation people of various ages who were born into the group. There's still some people in the group who have children now. And so some of the big issues about up north is what kinds of facilities uh, will there exist to help the the elderly, and what about the kids? You know, there's going to be educational issues and so on. So there's there's a lot of questions, and... What I've heard is that some of the the uh, elder members, uh, elderly members who have moved up there, are in tension with some of the younger members who are still in the group down here in Edmonton, because the elder people believe they need the the lar- they need support network up there. They need the younger members to move up there and, and help them out when they get in trouble. And you know, some members are. They, Estimates are that could be as many as 80 members who've moved up so far. We don't know for sure because the group is very secretive about what's going on. So there's just a lot we don't know. Uh, But a lot to speculate on and a lot of questions and so much more that I'm curious about. But Dr. Kent, that's all the time that we have with you today. Uh, Hopefully I can bring you back on and we can have a conversation when more information comes out because it is fascinating. This is not over. I love getting your perspective. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chessie. So long. That's Dr. Stephen Kent, Emeritus Professor at the University of Alberta and an expert in cults and alternative religions.